Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector, and we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military, from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder, to navigating government programs dealing with family issues, to the struggles of deployment, along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio, and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello and welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you this afternoon. Sandra Beck is off and it is a gorgeous day over here. I hope it is out there in California. Uh, What a great day to be spending with the kids. Um, I know that some kids are back to school already, but um, there is still a little bit of summer left for, for many of you. And I hope that you are enjoying every bit of it. Recently, our veteran correspondent Stephen Boyd visited the Museum of World War II in Natick, Massachusetts. And with um, summer coming to a close soon, and uh, some of you may have already started back to school, I thought we'd take a look at some, not this museum, but some other museums across the country that might be of interest to you. Uh, if you're a homeschooler, this might be a destination. If um, you still have a little bit of summer left and these are uh, in your travels, it might be a great place to stop and look at some of these wonderful locations. Now, uh, Steve, as I said, was uh, visiting the Museum of World War II in Natick, Massachusetts, and we'll chat with him in just a minute about his visit. But I also wanted to let you know we um, I found some information about a museum at Fort Belvoir in Virginia. Um, there's also an interesting museum uh, in Fort Lewis in Tacoma, Washington, and I also uh, know that there is a great little museum in Granbury, Texas, the U.S. Veterans Museum, Um, and I also have a little clip to share with you uh, by Staff Sergeant Holly Roberts-Davis from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. So a couple of locations to take take a look at, Um, but first I thought we would check in with Stephen. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great today, Robin. <laughs> well, I um, was so excited to hear you come back from Natick with such enthusiasm and such awe from this museum. Tell me about what this museum was. This museum is a collection of World War II artifacts that this gentleman has been picking up over the years. He finally got to the point where his collection was so big that he needed to put it someplace and wanted people to see it. So he bought a warehouse facility over in Natick, Mass. 
and to get in there you need to call and make a reservation and you can they only allow a certain number of people in there at a time they give you a recording device so that when you come up to a uh, display it'll have a number there and you press that number into the recorder and it will play back the information about that particular section in the museum and from looking at the map, it doesn't look like it's a very big museum, but it has a lot. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, it's a relatively small building, and the amount of material that this guy had in there was absolutely amazing. Uh, when you go into a museum, you usually see something with uh, a single display case. These display cases were five and six tiers tall with just packed full of uh, uh, metals, paraphernalia, from uh, primarily from the, uh, the majority it was from uh, the European fighting, fighting the Nazis, the mm -hmm. Germans. Mm -hmm. And what you did, he had the wall hangings, paintings. He had a he had a, a painting, an original painting there, floor to ceiling. I swear it must have been seven or eight feet tall of Adolf Hitler. Wow! And it was it was amazing. And from what I understand, he has only about one fifth of the collection there. And what they do is they try to rotate the material. Which is a great reason to keep going back year after year or more yeah. frequently that <clears throat> you want to see all of the different things that they keep displaying. Right. My brother found this place and went for the first time last year. Uh, he said, you've got to come over and see this place because it's absolutely unbelievable. And he set up a date and he and uh, he, I and a, a friend of his uh, all went and uh, just... There was so much material there. We were in there for four hours, and I thought I had read everything, and there were sections I miss and missed, and my brother would say, did you see this section? I'm going, no, I missed that. <laughs> so I backtracked through the museum to find that particular yep. display yep. case. Yeah. One of the things I think that stood out for me when you came home and relayed all of this was the fact that it was a living history museum. There were things that people can touch there. There were... Uh, weapons that you could pick up and handle, uh, German weapons, American weapons, uh, all disabled, obviously, so that sure. they wouldn't fire, but it's the weight and the feel and the, the quality of this material um, that he had there, every type of small arms weapon that uh, you can imagine, including some heavy weapon mortar systems. And we got to the back side of the building, and I walked into this room, and it's set up like a maze, so that I walked through the door and wasn't expecting this, and I think my brother had told me about this, <laughs> but there was an, a, a Sherman tank sitting at the back of the building, wow. and my only word was, he, he and his friend were sitting there, and I looked at it, <laughs> and I said, holy expletive. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was amazing, and it was it was a flamethrower tank that they had set up. Uh, a lot of them had cannons on them, but uh, in the Pacific specifically, they had had them set up for the island hopping with large flamethrowers mm. on them to take out the uh, enemy pillboxes and machine gun nests and so on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to go to a break, Steve, and on the other side, I want to talk a little bit more about this museum. And actually, um, one of the reasons you think it's important that we preserve America's military history. This is Military Mom Talk Radio, and we'll be back in a moment.
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. This is Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Littman on toginet.com. Stop by the U.S. Veterans Museum and discover a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Our mission is to recognize and honor all U.S. military veterans who have served our nation during times of conflict. Those that fought on the battlefields or those who served in support of them should not just be remembered, but honored in such a way that future generations never forget the sacrifice that these men and women have made. We are not here just to memorialize these veterans, but we are here to tell their story. We invite you to come and explore the U.S. Veterans Museum today. To learn more about the museum, visit usveteransmuseum.com. Put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Help us out, put your name at the top of his list and Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Sandra is off this afternoon, but I'm here with Steve Boyd this afternoon, our veteran correspondent who visited the museum. Um, the Museum of World War II is the title of it yes. in Natick, Massachusetts. And we were t- before the break, Steve. We were talking about the fact that this is a living museum in that kids or, or uh, visitors are able to touch everything. And I really think that this gives a whole different perspective to understanding history. It's one thing to read in a book about a person like Hitler, but to stand at a seven-foot painting and look this man in the eye must be really awe-striking. It's, striking. it's, it's one of those things that you see these things and it sends chills up your back knowing what these, these people did. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, not only there was a lot of paintings there, but there were also propaganda uh, posters all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, floor to ceiling, uh, packed cases, uh, artwork, and one of the most uh, areas that I found most disconcerting or interesting 
in a bizarre way was uh, there was a small section in there of about the uh, concentration camps mm -hmm. and when I walked through they have a lot they have actual uh, uniforms of all of all the militaries uh, US German Japanese and so on and I walked in and there was a man whose they did reproduced his face the actual face of this particular uh, prisoner in one of the one of the camps mm -hmm. with his uniform on those striped mm -hmm. uniforms with his the serial numbers that they tattooed on their yeah. arms and that was there and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of information there about uh, Anne Frank's father. He survived the war, and there were letters in there with him corresponding to various people, including Eleanor Roosevelt, who was very moved by this, and uh, letters that he was uh, corresponding with people about making the movie about his daughter and his family. Wow. And it was... Uh, very deep reading and listening to the commentary uh, on the headsets that we had, mm -hmm. the uh, recording devices, was uh, it was these people were brutal. It showed a lot of the torture equipment and things like that, and yeah. and you know the stuff went on, but when you actually see this stuff, you go, these people were gruesome. Yeah, and there again, I think it's difficult to to face I think and you even said that there was a warning going into that room didn't you yes there was a warning that uh, directed people away from it if they didn't think they could uh, handle what was in there yeah and at the time there were a number of people in the building and I was the only one in that room reading yeah. some of the uh, the documents and so on and one of the things that really struck me was they had the actual label of uh, of a canister of the Zyklon B, which was the poison they used uh, in the gas chambers. Wow. That really is um, awesome in the most intense term. It's, you know? It was the whole museum, seeing the artifacts, and uh, they had a Kubel wagon there, and inside it had, uh, had the Nazi uh, Schmeiser machine guns, the... Mm. Uh, uh, the K-98 rifles and um, just packed full of uh, metals, German metals, and they even had a whole section of the toys that they uh, they used to train these kids from the Hitler Youth when Hitler oh, took wow. over in 33 mm -hmm. on. So yeah. they were gearing up, they were gearing the kids up yeah. to fight this war. As difficult as it is to recall these horrific things um, and to see some of the other um, parts of our history, what is the purpose of revisiting these? Why do you feel it's so important that we preserve all of these things and share them? Well, the same reason that they, they're going through the Library of Congress is trying to get as much documentary uh, footage about uh, from World War II veterans. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot written, but a lot of it is buried in archives, say, in the Library of Congress. And in this particular museum, being a living history museum, you can go through, touch the things, and get a better feeling for it. Now, they have uh, World War II veterans that come in and actually speak from... Uh, That's wonderful. They really try to push the kids coming in, and the kids are that are coming in, apparently, from what the uh, the volunteers were saying, was that 
yeah, this opens their eyes up. This yeah. isn't just some movie on TV or, yeah. you know, a few things that Grandpa may have said, or great-grandfather yeah. at this point in time yeah. may have said, but they actually get to see this stuff and see the, the, the brutality of mm-hmm. what World War II actually was. Right, right. Um, and what any war is. What, what any war it's is. It's brutal. It's... <laughs> I, I tell my children and, and other people who have asked, I said, the wars don't change, the weapons change. Yeah. That's about the only thing that yeah. change in a war. Yep. And maybe the ground that you stand on, but... Yeah, and if you see uh, areas of the South Pacific and then you go to Vietnam, you can't tell <laughs> yeah. one, one from the other. From yeah. Yeah. New Guinea looks like South Vietnam yeah. and so on. Yeah. Well, thanks, Steve. I wanted to share that because somehow, once you have been to a museum, it just heightens your own interest and it heightens your passion for wanting to share um, the history. So, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. It was was, uh, very interesting and we plan on going back next year again. Good. I look forward to joining you on that one. And that website is Museum of World War II. That was so fascinating uh, to hear Stephen be so excited about visiting a museum uh, with so many wonderful artifacts. And this is the excitement that we want to share. We want to make sure that a trip like this is in your um, soon de- soon-to-be destinations. It's it's wonderful to pass this on to other generations. It's wonderful for us to know um, how much our current generation is being remembered and how much our past generations are being honored. Recently, um, I found a clip from CBS Evening News. It was originally aired on March 3rd of this year. You can find it on YouTube if you want to watch it, um, which is where I did find it. It's an interview by Chris Reed of um, the the, um, curator for... um, the National Museum of the United States Army. And this is at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. It is a 41-acre campus of um, that will soon to be comprised of exhibits, events, and ceremonial spaces to inform the public of the American soldier. The museum will be its only inst- the only institution of its kind to address Army history from a national perspective. Exhibits and experiences are to honor the service and sacrifice of soldiers and the uh, entire Army family, preserving the long history of the Army and communicate its legacy in objective, accurate, and engaging fashion. Look, you. I, I do suggest you go to YouTube and watch this clip because just to see these artifacts that they talk about in this clip um, were just really precious gems. <laughs> they really were amazing. So let's take a listen to Chris, uh, excuse me, to Chip Reed from the CBS Evening News. Finally tonight, the U.S. Army has been on the front lines of history for well over two centuries. But in all that time, it has never had a museum of its own to display a vast collection of artifacts. Now, there's a plan to change that. And Chip Reed got a sneak peek. So what is this room we're walking into? We have over 150,000 artifacts of various sizes and types. Magic. Indeed. 
total darkness is our greatest ally in preserving this collection. Chris Semancic is chief of collections at the U.S. Army's Museum Support Center, a massive climate-controlled facility at Fort Belvoir, Virginia. Here, the nearly 240-year history of the U.S. Army is preserved. Every piece of equipment that a soldier you know, would carry or wear from the Revolutionary War all the way up through current operations, boots, canteens, helmets. And what do you have here? This is the powder horn of Levi Gashett. He was a Minuteman and answered the call on April 19, 1775, to respond to the crisis at Lexington and Concord. So this really symbolizes the beginning of the U.S. Army. Right Without here. a doubt. It's quintessential Americana. It looks like we're going from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War. This is Ulysses S. Grant's Kepi. Kepi. And Kepi. So General Ulysses S. Grant actually wore this hat. Yes, he did. The collection is growing by the day and is now so large it includes 16,000 works of art. We have three original Norman Rockwell oil paintings that he produced for the Army. Every other Rockwell focuses on the face of that, of that American person from his hometown. This is every man that's fighting in World War II. Hidden away in a far corner are some examples of Nazi propaganda taken from Germany so they would never be displayed again. This shows Adolf Hitler as the shining knight. When a U.S. soldier found this painting in 1945, he stabbed it with his bayonet. And that'll never be repaired. That's part of its history. That's victory. The collection includes light-hearted moments like this painting of Bob Hope entertaining the troops, but there are also reminders of the horrors of war. It's a national treasure, and if we do not preserve this, the story of the sacrifice of what built this country would be lost, it would be marred uh, and skewed. If private fundraising succeeds, the Army hopes to open its new museum just outside Fort Belvoir in 2018. Until then, this collection will spend at least another four years in the dark. Chip Reed, CBS News, Fort Belvoir, Virginia. The Army Historical Foundation was established in 1983 as a member-based, publicly supported 501c3 nonprofit organization, and it's dedicated to preserving the history and heritage of the American soldier. Now, under a memorandum of agreement with the Department of the Army, signed in September 2000, the AHF is officially fundraising for the museum and is leading the NMUSA Capital Campaign. If you want to learn more about this capital campaign, um, I suggest you go to their website, and I'll give it to you in just a second. Um, But I just wanted to elaborate a little bit more how um, they are developing this particular museum to preserve history, but also to educate the public. Um, By showcasing this history, the museum will address an alarming trend in American education. Now, consider these following results of a 2006 National Assessment of Educational Progress when asked to identify which country was a U.S. ally at the beginning of World War II, less than half of American 12th graders chose the Soviet Union. Nearly as many picked Germany or Italy. Then, when asked which country the U.S. fought from 1964 to 1973, 60% of American 4th graders did not correctly identify Vietnam as the answer. 
So sadly, American students are losing touch with their nation's history, and this National Army Museum will educate the public about our country's heritage. Interactive multimedia exhibits will teach millions of visitors about the many ways in which the Army has impacted their lives from developing vaccines to exploring space. There are many ways that they are looking for uh, public support. They have individual giving programs. They have corporate giving programs. They have grassroots volunteer programs, veteran programs. Um, They have a commemorative brick initiative that they hope you will purchase a brick that will be, of course, displayed and be a part of this whole construction. And again, they are targeting this to be complete in 2018. Um, Also, they're looking for um, uh, information of those who have served. So if you either have artifacts or you want to fill out, there is a form right on their website. If you want to fill out a form with either your information or someone in your family, a loved one's um, biography of their service with the Army, with the U.S. Army, please go to the website and look at all the wonderful ways you can participate and be a part of history. Visit their site at https colon backslash backslash armyhistory.org. Be back in a moment right here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny's recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Entertainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here 
on the Tobin Radio Network. no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is a museum day at Military Mom Talk Radio. We're touring the country and stopping by a few places that uh, we hope are destinations for you. That if whether you are in this area, if you happen to live in these areas and fortunate enough to be able to visit these museums, or if you're looking for a destination to round out your summer vacation, or possibly you are um, you have a homeschool or a youth group that you would like to look into bringing some young people to these wonderful museums. Um, And this is only the tip of the iceberg. Go to Google and just type in U.S. military museums. You will find a plethora of wonderful uh, places to visit, information on how you can either donate or be a part of their living history. And possibly if you have a loved one whose history uh, or biography or um, experiences would benefit their collection, by all means, document that history. We certainly don't want to lose anyone's story um, as time goes on. When I was um, searching the web, I found, I, I Google Earth and flew to Fort Lewis Museum out in Tacoma, Washington. The uh, Fort, Muse, Fort Lewis Military Museum has firearms and um, is a wonderful collection uh, on the West Coast. It is the only certified U.S. Army Museum on that end of the country. And the museum has the mission of preserving history, artifacts relevant to Camp Lewis, Fort Lewis, the Army component of JBLM, and the units which have served in that area. The museum educates military professionals and the general public on the history of Camp Lewis, Fort Lewis, and the Army component. Um, So they also are playing a very important role in exploration, defense, and development of the Pacific Northwest. Let's listen to this clip, um, and we'll be right back. The centennial anniversary of World War I and Camp Lewis is approaching. The Fort Lewis Army Museum is a hidden gem full of artifacts for history and military fans alike. Megan Hutton takes us inside. The building that houses the Fort Lewis Military Museum is just as much a part of the history as the artifacts inside. It was built as a hotel in 1918 and back then was just outside the main gate of Camp Lewis. The wealth of military history here goes back to 1904 when brigades used to play war games around American Lake. In 1917, Camp Lewis became the only federal installation to be built on land donated by the citizens. In January of, of, of 1917, the citizens of Pierce County voted overwhelmingly to bond themselves for $2 million to buy the initial 70,000 acres, which established what later became known as Camp Lewis. 
This is a museum with some unusual artifacts. We have uh, the head of Saddam Hussein from a statue that was destroyed in Iraq by the, uh, the 555 engineers. Mixed with traditional exhibits like the evolution of army uniforms from flashy and colorful in the 19th century through the Vietnam era and modern day. And more than 200 weapons are on display. We have a lot of firearms that are, are fairly well kept and maintained. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. We have, for example, a couple of Browning uh, 1919A6 uh, machine guns, which seem to be quite a draw. Right over here we have an M151 Jeep. This one belonged to, uh, to General Schwarzkopf when he was the Corps Commander here. This is one of the last M151 Jeeps to actually be in operation before it was replaced by the Humvee. Behind you we have a fast attack vehicle. This was one of the experimental wheel vehicles that it was basically tested here. Uh, Fort Lewis was a test bed for wheeled vehicles. Get up close to heavy machinery in the museum's vehicle park. There's a UH-1 Huey and a Sherman tank used in World War II. The Fort Lewis Military Museum is located off exit 120 on I-5 near DuPont. The museum is open Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 4. Admission is free, but without military credentials, you'll first need to get a base pass at the JBLM Visitor Center. So you first have to visit the Visitor Center, uh, which is located off of exit 120. Uh, just follow the signs for Lewis, Maine, and then park there at the Visitor Center. Um, what you need to be able to visit then is you need to have proof of insurance and registration for your vehicle and some form of government-issued photo ID. And you'll be issued a base pass, and you'll be allowed to visit the museum. Megan Hutton, Pierce County News. Now, the museum's exhibits and galleries are still in the process of being refined and expanded following the renovation of the museum's historic building. At present, approximately 15,000 square feet of indoor exhibit space is available for public viewing. The museum is also accepting donations, loans, and personnel records for their collection. The museum also features approximately an acre of outdoor exhibits, which include a UH-1 Huey helicopter, various experimental vehicle prototypes, and armored vehicles, which saw action in World War II and in more recent conflicts. If you're in that neck of the woods, you might want to stop in and see all that they have. The museum is open to the public Wednesdays through Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. The museum is closed on all federal holidays, and again, their website will be the best place to check what exhibits are um, available when, and if, in fact, you can take a group uh, to see all that this museum has to offer. This is the Fort Lewis Military Museum. It is um, at fortlewismuseum.com slash FLM. Frank, F as in Frank, L-M. And that's Fort Lewis, of course, L-E-W-I-S. In Tacoma, Washington. Um, I'm hoping that you're jotting all of this down, and if you've missed any of this so far, uh, by all means, go to our website, militarymomtalkradio.com. You can always find our podcasts on iTunes and right here on our Toganet show page. Uh, our host station is toganet.com, and not only our shows are here, but a lot of wonderful programming is here uh, for you every single week. We hope that you will... Uh, Um, tune in to many of our neighboring shows. 
We featured a song uh, about, oh, a little over a year ago by a singer-songwriter who lives in Texas. Helene Cronin um, had a very big success with her song, Lucky Me. She wrote the song after an encounter with a soldier at the Nashville airport. When it became obvious just how emotionally moving the song was to audiences who heard it, Helene's sister created a video around it and posted it to YouTube. The popularity of the video led to an appearance on the Mike Huckabee Show on Fox TV in front of a national audience. I invite you to read more about Helene at her website, HeleneCronin.com, H-E-L-E-N-E-C-R-O-N-I-N.com. Here's Helene singing, Lucky Me. Stood in line beside a soldier At the airport ticket counter Catching flights out of Tennessee We made a little easy conversation I asked his destination Another tour of duty in the Middle East just said lucky you and I thought lucky me he's right I sleep in my own bed at night I am safe and I am warm when he's wide awake in a uniform lucky me while he fights a war I live the life he's fighting for Lucky me, that's right, freedom comes. 
heavy price and we don't all pay our equal share or know what it's like over there lucky us the ones at home while others go to the battle zone they are the brave we are the free lucky A beautiful song and a beautiful message. Be sure to visit her website, HeleneCronin.com, and find her music on iTunes. Remember, we too are on iTunes with nearly 200 original, free, family-friendly, one-hour shows. We are proud to be coming up to our 200th celebration show in September, so do join us for that. Send us a note. Let us know what you like, what topics you'd like us to delve into as we look toward a new year. Stay tuned though. Right now, we have a bit more to share with you for today, right here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. This is... God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. 
every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. Sandra is off this afternoon, but um, she is enjoying this great day with the kids, and uh, they're getting ready to go back to school. And I'm sure that, uh, as I said earlier, many of your kids are already back to school, but there are a few who haven't quite gone back yet. And uh, if you've had any trouble finding things in the stores and um, checking out who needs what, it's, it's always a challenge because the schools have certain lists that they hope that you will be prepared for. I know that um, many uh, stores have little displays of which schools are requiring what information. Sometimes there's restrictions too. I know for a fact that some schools uh, at one time when my kids were younger were restricting those binders. They, um, they, I can't remember what they were called. They were called um, I honestly can't remember what they were called, but they were bulky and they were not allowed in the school. So the only reason why I bring it up is if you are all of a sudden, if you've just recently moved and are in a new location and are not sure what your kids are supposed to be having, it's really worth the call to the office uh, at the school just to be sure that, oh, trapper keeper, that's what they were called. (laughs) Don't talk about a tangent. Anyway, my my point is that uh, you want to make sure that you don't go out and spend the money on something that the kids either can't fit in their locker, fit in their desk, or uh, are not supposed to have. So uh, make sure that the kids are all prepared, and I hope they're excited. I think moms and dads are excited for the kids to go back, Um, but I hope your kids are excited too. Another location that I wanted to share with you today, um, I found a clip by Staff Sergeant Holly Roberts Davis uh, from Wright Patterson Air Force Base outside of Dayton, Ohio. Now, um, the National Museum of the United States Air Force is located there, and it's the Services National Institution for Presenting and Preserving the Air Force Story. Now, each year, more than one million visitors go to this museum to learn about their mission, their history, and the evolving capabilities of America's Air Force. Let's listen to Staff Sergeant Holly Roberts Davis, and I'll be back in a moment. The National Museum of the United States Air Force is the oldest and largest military aviation museum, averaging over one million visitors annually. Currently, the museum is separated into two locations where visitors need to be transported to and from the exhibits. However, in addition to the museum will allow the Presidential Aircraft Gallery, Research and Development Gallery, and Global Reach Gallery to be housed on site, giving visitors greater access to our legacy of aircraft, missiles, cyber expertise, and other elements of Air Force heritage, while preserving and presenting the Air Force story. When you come right down to it, living the Air Force legacy is really what this magnificent 
uh, Air Force Museum is all about, bringing the legacies to life for our airmen and thousands of people around the globe through its exhibits, camps, educational outreach, and so much more. One, two, three. The ground is broken. The museum expansion is scheduled to open to the public in 2016. Reporting from the National Museum of the United States Air Force at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, I'm Staff Sergeant Holly Roberts-Davis. Whether you're an educator looking for a STEM connection or a youth group leader or family looking for fun aerospace activities, I am sure you will have a high-flying time at this world's largest and oldest military aviation museum. They have a variety of programs uh, that you will find there, and they host outdoor aviation events, military reunions, lectures, and concerts. This is one busy busy museum. They feature more than 360 aerospace vehicles and missiles that are on display amid more than 17 acres of indoor exhibit space. That's huge. (laughs) Thousands of personal artifacts, photographs, and documents further highlight the people and events that comprise the Air Force storyline from the beginning of military flight to today's war on terrorism. The National Museum of the United States Air Force traces its birth to 1923 at McCook Field near Dayton, and it was moved to Wright Field in 1927. The museum was closed from 1940 to 1955 due to the urgent need for administrative space to support the war effort. Then, in 1960, local interest in aviation history led to the creation of the Air Force Museum Foundation, Incorporated. This would secure the museum, and a nationwide fundraising campaign resulted in the construction of a new facility in the late 1960s, with President Richard Nixon dedicating the new building in September of 1971. Now, in 1976, the foundation donated an addition to that building, and in 1988, the foundation and federal government funded equally a second exhibit building. The IMAX Theater and Atrium opened in 1991, and in 2003, the museum opened the 200 thousand square foot Eugene W. Kettering Cold War Gallery. A missile and space gallery constructed as a missile silo opening in 2004, and the theater underwent an $800,000 renovation in 2012 as part of its conversion to a 400-seat digital 3D theater. I want to get on a plane right now and head out to Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) This sounds like an amazing place to visit, and I hope that you will at least go to their website first, find out more information about them, uh, if you have information to donate to them, if you have a philanthropic arm to your company, or you yourself want to be a contributor to this museum especially if you are a pilot, if you were a flyer, are a flyer, um, wanting to make sure that aviation history is preserved, this is definitely the place to go. Their website is http colon slash slash 
excuse me, backslash, backslash, www.nationalmuseum.af.mil. That is nationalmuseum.af.mil. Um, I, I do hope that all of these visits have been really interesting for you. I am, uh, again, I was just in awe of the beautiful facilities that there are. If you just go onto Google and search a little bit, you're going to find something, I'm sure, close to your backyard. Um, there are some amazing places, and um, all of them need support in one way, shape, or form. Maybe it's not in money, but maybe it might be to volunteer some time. They might need some help setting up um, a display. They might need help repairing uniforms. I can tell you from a Girl Scout point of view, we have a little archive that we keep in our particular council. And I have to say, we have a lot of sewers at one time or another that will just go through and repair and restitch buttons and little tears or little moth holes that may have gotten in. There are a lot to um, maintaining these um artifacts and perhaps that's something that might need to be done I know some of them are too old and they probably have curators that take care of a lot of it but um, there are so many things to contribute to a museum like these and many many more so I hope that you do take the time find out about your military history and uh, do something to help our nation preserve these stories and to honor all of those who have served, who are serving, and inspire those who will serve tomorrow. There's always going to be a military. There is always going to be people defending our nation's freedom. So uh, what better way than to help our new generation, our youngest people, understand what has gone before, uh, why we have gone before, for and how better perhaps to lead our nation in our future. I hope you join us next week. We are looking forward to another great show. Um, and again, I remind you, check out iTunes, check out MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com, and check out our show page right here on the Toganet Network, um, Toganet.com, for all of our shows, our past shows, and do watch for more information about our 200th show celebration. We're mighty proud over here. So until next week, I hope you all have a great week. Uh, have a wonderful uh, last vacation, if that's what it is for you. And I hope the first week, if that's been for school for you, is uh, has been a good one. And everyone's getting settled in. This is Robin Boyd with you. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Sandra, for being there. And uh, we look forward to all of you next week on Military Mom Talk Radio. Thank you for being part of Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com with Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here each week to provide a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. For more information on the show or Sandra and Robin, go to militarymomtalkradio.com. This is their mission, helping military moms. So join us again next Monday for Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd Monday afternoons, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Toginet.